When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it always takes like a second in between when I click go live and then when the thing actually starts. But uh, mm-hmm. we are live now. So welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We are going to be talking Badgers, Bucks, and then more Badgers today. Um, so a lot of Wisconsin Badger talks. So I got my Badgers quarters, uh, quarter zip shirt on. But just so everybody knows, we're going to let everybody know at the top of the show, uh, we're not doing any Packers. Posted on the page that we're going to do um, all of it tomorrow. If you don't already know, is the live show at the Green Bay Parker Johns. So if you're in Wisconsin and you feel like driving to Green Bay, or if you're in the Green Bay area, come and check us out. Um, it's going to be all all Packers tomorrow. Nothing about the Packers. So we're not doing any Packers discussion today. Tomorrow's going to be all about the Packers. There's lots of stuff going on today, and Jake and I are going to do everything we can. We're going to go everywhere we can on the on the internet and figure out everything that we can about what's going on in Green Bay, figuring out what situations are going to be, um, who's all going to be affected, who's going to be in, who's going to be out. And we're going to get as much information as we can and put that all out there. And then we're going to have some fun. Um, we're going to do some giveaways. We're going to do some trivia. We're just uh, going to have a live pie bet. So it's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow and should be really informative and entertaining. So, um, and then if you're in the area, come to the Green Bay Parker Johns and hang out with us. I mean, you can come see us in person, maybe get a giveaway. And then, um, yeah, we're going to be giving away, I got like lanyards and stickers and pins. And we're going to have two sets of fan locks to give away and a $25 gift certificate to Parker Johns. So we got lots of stuff to give away tomorrow and, um, yeah, and get some good food in the process. So, um, come hang out with us tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be all Packers discussion, but today we're going to start with the Badgers. And we're going to start with Badgers football. So, Jake, let's talk about the Badgers win over Iowa. Man, uh, first thing, uh, I want to pump my chest a little bit here. <laughs> we did score predictions last week. Uh, I wrote down 27-13, and the game ended 27-7. to So, I guess I was giving a little bit too much respect to Iowa. Yeah, me um, too, I guess. Yeah, I, I wrote your – I always write yours down too because we're always so close. Yeah. Um, but Wisconsin absolutely dominated this game. I know you're going to have the advanced numbers because we were texting the other day, so I'm going to leave those for you. But <laughs> I just – I wrote down some of the, the key things that happened. I mean, Mertz looked improved. He didn't look great. He doesn't ever have so, to be great. The word that I wanted to use for Mertz was confident. Yeah. That's the yeah. word I wanted to use. Continue. I, I would I would say that. Uh, the pass he threw to uh, – who am I thinking of? Uh, Ferguson. Uh, in the end zone. I mean, that was that was a nice touch pass. That's the kind of stuff that he's been missing on all year. And it's just like, dude, if you just hit one of those every once in a while, they're not going to be able to put 11 people in the box, you know? So, I mean, he hit that pass, but it was still the Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi show. Uh, Allen with 20 carries and Malusi with 19 carries. So they were almost 50-50 split. Uh, Allen was definitely more effective. I'll say that right now. He had 100, mm-hmm. 104 yards. He had the same amount of yards as Mertz, but 
everybody knows if you watch the Wisconsin Badgers, what really gets us going is the defense. And um, it's those three linebackers, man. I mean, I know I, I know Burks is pretty good. I mean, Noah Burks is pretty good too. He's in he's in that linebacker group, but yep. Chanel, Sanborn, Herbig, those are the guys. You know, when you when you play the Badgers and you're watching film on them and you just see those three dudes just running around getting sacks, getting tackles for loss, getting forced fumbles. And I just wrote down the sacks for all those three, right? Uh, Chanel and Sanborn each had a half a sack. Herbig, two and a half. So they combined for six or, yeah, three – no, three and a half of the six. I wrote down the teams. So they were three yeah. and a half of our six sacks. Tackles for loss, Chanel had two. Sanborn had one and a half. And Herbig, he had the best game of them all. He had two and a half. So they had six of the ten tackles for loss. Those guys are just amazing, dude. Um, Chanel was just named. I mean, there was a post. He was yep. just named for – you could finish that sentence. You, you uh, That's the Dick Butkus Award. Yeah, the Dick For the Butkus best Award. linebacker in the country. Which, I mean, I said last week he was number one rated linebacker on pro football focus. So the defense really dominated this game. We recovered three fumbles. We won the turnover three to zero again, back-to-back weeks of winning the turnover rate. Um, and Mertz, like you said, looked confident making making a couple passes. And it is what it is, man. The Badgers are, look like they're back on track. All right, so we got a couple comments. One from James, who is really excited about the Saints, and <laughs> one from Tim, who is mind blown about Michael Thomas. <laughs> so um, that's a couple things. That's that's a totally different discussion. But we're talking about the Badgers, and there was a lot going on here. So those linebackers, uh, the defense itself has started using the term the grit factory. They made their their hat that they had that's they call definitely it the grit factory. Definitely the, yeah, they, <laughs> uh, Scott Nelson was talking about it. And he's like, you know, I made it as kind of like a joke thing. And he's like, now I'm going to have to keep that. It's going to be like a centerpiece. Now it's going to be a, a piece of memorabilia. Now I'm going to have to keep it. And <laughs> I feel like I don't want to do anything with it. Um, mm-hmm. So we have, you know, we have the grit factory on defense and I want to, I want to keep using the death row linebackers. I love that. That's so cool. Um, Mike Yoder, who's going to be on this on the show with us in a little bit when we start talking about Badgers basketball, said both Chanel and Sanborn should be All-Americans when all is said and done. Right now, I mean, I don't see how you could say they aren't. They're both just insane. I mean, you add um, Sanborn, seven tackles, Herbig, six tackles, Chanel, nine tackles, uh, Herbig yeah. had the forced fumble. I mean, that was just a beautiful play to get around the lineman and just slap the ball right out of his hand. That was fantastic. Um, I saw a sports radio guy. He made a post, and it was that the Badgers should have been up 35-0 to zero at the after the point where they, they got stopped on fourth down and they had a, a field goal inside the 20. Uh, what I said was, at the most, it could be maybe 24, maybe 28, because that second, if they don't get stopped on fourth and goal, um, they don't get that second fumble recovery at the one yard line. So that's, you know, if, if, if they score on the first one, then they're not in that inside the five yard line for the second one. So that's why I said right. maybe 24 to 28 to zero not quite 35, but it was 20 to zero at halftime. Iowa only had 17 yards in the first half. Um, the death row linebackers on full display. And <laughs> this was crazy. This is one of the things that I told you, was that Iowa was down seventeen to zero before they had positive yardage? 
That I know, dude. We were texting on Saturday. That's insane, dude. We literally <laughs> smacked them around. They we were down. Them. They were down twenty to zero before they converted their first first down. Yep, we talked about that. Yeah, <laughs> That's that. insane. That's insane. Seventeen to zero before you've gained positive yardage, and twenty to zero before you've gotten a first down. Like you just, you, you're, you're just in a pit, just looking up, and it's you know the edge just has to be way in the yeah. distance. Yeah. How do, how do you um, mentally pull yourself out of that as a team? I mean, especially when you have no rhythm. Huh, I, I don't know. And these know. guys are still coming to hit you in the mouth. You know that for a fact. The other guys are just pumped up. So how do you get? How do you rally your guys? Dude, I don't know, man. That's it's crazy, man. So you, you Iowa went from number two to number nineteen in. I mean, technically, it's a span of three weeks, but two games because they, you know, they had the bye in between. They've been outscored fifty-one to fourteen in their last two games. Oh. <laughs> Dude, I knew when Purdue put the smackdown on them in their own house. I was like, there is no way in hell Iowa's coming to us and they're going to beat us. And all I heard was, oh, Wisconsin's a three-loss team. The Penn State loss, that sucked. That yeah. one, I, that's a that's a 50-50. I really think we should have won that game. I mean, the yeah. wheels just came off in the Notre Dame game. And Michigan, that we lost that game. That's that's yeah. the one that I'm really willing to swallow because you, we're competitive in the Notre Dame game, you know? You said it really well, I think it was last week, where you said that if that Penn State game is played in the third week of the season, we probably win it. But because it was oh, the yeah. opening game, you know, oh, that's yeah. that makes that a tougher. So that's you know, that's part of that discussion of should they open with a conference opponent or non conference opponent? Do you want those tune up games before you get to your big games like the Badger basketball? They have some of those tune up games. They play like the you know, like the Bethune Cookmans and the you know, the like Eastern <laughs> Eastern Arkansas and yeah. you know, all that stuff before they get into their conference schedule. But, um, right. you know, they, they all, a lot of the players were talking post-game about, you know, they, they were confident they were going to win this game. They were confident they were going to win the Purdue game. They're confident they're going to win games going forward. And they felt like after the loss to Michigan that they, you know, that they weren't what their record suggested that they were. And that the team is made of guys who are all there for each other. And, you know, it's, it seems that way, you know, that they're all, they're all tight knit and, you know, they're ready to, to help each other out, to have each other's backs and yeah. to just basically keep fighting is what they, you know, what they say. And yeah. the couple of things Jake already kind of touched on the turnovers for me, the, the keys were just don't beat yourself. Yeah. Don't turn over the ball and don't commit penalties. And Iowa's touchdown was set up by a pass interference call. That's, you know, if you can limit that stuff, that's really where we're going to get into blowout territory. Um, <laughs> had Courtney throwing out that uh, Lily sent me a message during the show. <laughs> Say hi to Lily. Hi, Lily. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, credit to Jack Sanborn and Scott Nelson for getting a big stop on fourth and one during the fourth quarter, and then it was basically the Braylon Allen show. Braylon Allen took that game and really sealed it up and and took any wind out of the sails that Iowa could have potentially had. And then after after the second Mertz touchdown, the Badgers really just went into killing clock mode. And, you know, that's that's pretty much how that went. So um, do you – what else do you want to say about the defense? I don't know. Uh, oh, she said good. Well, that's good. <laughs> hey, you're having, you're having a good day. Hey, you keep doing your homework, kid. Um, I just made my stepson do his homework, and he did not. She's, like in, she's in first grade. She doesn't have a ton of homework. 
I mean, the the homework in third grade is pretty easy too. But to these kids, it's like mind numbing, I guess. But it is what it is. Um, the defense. What what can we say that we haven't said, man? I mean, they're coming with the they're coming with the mentality that they're gonna shut you down. And we've talked about this plenty of times. I mean, now we only gave up seven to Iowa. We have two games we gave up seven, a game we gave up zero, and then we have those couple games where turnovers really allowed the other mm-hmm. team to score a yep. lot of points. I really yep. don't think people can score on us like that if we're not turning the ball over, giving them gifts. Yep. One if, of them was a special the team off- touchdown. Right. Like if the, if the offense is doing their thing, controlling the clock and putting up some points, I, I'm not even saying that they have to put up 20. But I honestly feel confident against bigger teams. Like if we don't turn the ball over and play in a clean game, I think we can win against some big-time teams with scoring 17, 17, 14. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's why like, I, I predicted really, this one 17, 13. That's, you know. I, re- I really feel that way. Um, uh, this defense is just so good. The front seven, I mean, we haven't even mentioned Benton up front, 95. That guy yeah, does Benton, a lot, yeah. dude. He, yeah. he takes up a lot of blockers. And he he's like that Kenny Clark on that defense where he has the yep. ability to not just take away the run, he can get after the quarterback. That's a, that's a good that's a good parallel to make, you know, the the defensive lines of both of these teams, you know, Keanu Benton being the Kenny Clark and then Matthew Henningsen yeah. kind of doing the the Dean Lowry type stuff. So that's a that's yeah, a good parallel man. to make. I mean, th- this defense is is big time. And I've been talking a lot of smack with a lot of Ohio State guys <laughs> on the internet, a lot of Michigan State guys. And uh I'm gonna I'm going to ask Mikey when he gets on. I'm going to ask Big B, my cousin, when they come on and talk Badgers basketball. We'll wrap it up. But I'm going to ask him who they'd rather see because I fully expect the Badgers to be in the Big Ten championship game. They just got to win a couple of games against some lesser Big Ten opponents. I mean, mm-hmm. we got Rutgers this week. We'll talk about yep. that. Well, yeah, we'll talk it's about that. It's not going to be close. But <laughs> um, I, I, I just want, I'm wondering, you know, you got some comments in here too. Who would you guys rather see? Would you rather see a Michigan State who is on fire right now? They have a Heisman Trophy, you know, runner and and the running back, or would you rather see, you know, Ohio State? I mean, we'll we'll see what's going on, but I'd rather see Ohio State. I personally would rather see Michigan State just to mix it up, just because it's it's kind of boring seeing Ohio State all the time, just because they always have top recruits. So I'd rather see Michigan State shake it up a little bit. I hear you. I want to see Ohio State because I think our defense is so good that we. I think we could actually embarrass them. We owe them. We owe them, dude. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. All right, so as far as the defense is concerned, it started off three straight three and outs, and then a forced fumble, a fumble, a three and out, and then Iowa, yeah, Iowa down 20 to nothing was basically the first half. <laughs> um, second half was they had their touchdown drive. They had three turnover on downs and two punts for a total of 139 yards. They did nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Um, Leo Chanel was asked about Iowa winning the toss and electing to receive the kick. And (laughs) I love this quote. He said, we saw they wanted the ball. We were like, okay, we're going to show you that's not a good decision. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. See – that's the confidence thing I'm talking about with this defense, dude. They literally want to be on the field for 60 minutes because they just love hitting. <laughs> and that is – that's what I love, man. That That's how I felt too. Like I, when I put my helmet on, man, I was like, hey, man, you ain't going to like having the ball because I'm about to smack the hell out of you. You're going to be hurting. And that's what I love, dude. Oh, so God, speaking of hurting, and you know, this goes with the grit factory part of it, is um, Jack Sanborn had a cut in his finger that required stitches. Yeah. 
And he yeah, he finished out the game before going to get stitches. Yeah. That's that's grit factory right there. Yeah, I was that's like, grit. That's a tough song, bitch. That's what I said. <laughs> that's that's yeah. a tough song, bitch. Man. Yeah, that was crazy I mean, when I heard that. Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned Noah Burks. Um got in on sacks. And what I read an article about Jim Leonard with his defensive philosophy. And this is something that has spread throughout the entire defense. They all say it to each other. Um, they all say it during games, during practice. And the, the, the motto, basically, of the defense is do it again. So this is everything that they do, you do it well, do it again. You make a big play, do it again. You get a tackle for loss, do it again. You get an interception, do it again. You get a, a pass defense, do it again. You know, you all these things that the Badgers do well, they all keep themselves, you know, in you know, in the moment by you know saying, recognizing, you know, you did this well, and then keeping yeah. themselves from getting complacent by saying, now go do it again. And I think that's a really great mindset to have because you're never saying, you know we just beat a team that was top 10 in the country. You know, now we go play Rutgers. We're going to, you know, whatever that keeps you from falling into, into a trap game. And that's something that I feel like in the, in the past, maybe not so much the last couple of years. I mean, last year was a weird year and the year before too, but um, you know, in the past, it feels like the Badgers have had these trap games and yeah, we talked about it with Purdue and Iowa and, you know, Northwestern is a good one too. Like, uh, Badgers can kind of mentally overlook opponents and this this do it again philosophy. I feel like I'm not saying it's a hundred percent cure for something like that, but it's a, a thought process that can kind of prevent them from falling into some of those traps by having the mindset of always looking forward to making the next big play and looking forward to always doing things right, you know, and then recognizing it and say go do it again. So I, I like that philosophy and that's something that Jim Leonard has implemented since training camp. And uh, I just wanted to share that. So I'm going to, I'm going to get pretty deep here, but um, if, if you're struggling to save money, that is, you know, or, or anything in life, you could take that quote and you can apply it literally anywhere in life. And that is part of the reason why I love sports because discipline, you know, hard work, that's stuff that I've taken away from sports that I've applied to my daily life. So if you have a good month and you save a thousand dollars, okay, pat yourself in the back and go do it again. That's how rich get richer. Keep doing that same mindset and repeat that. That's how people, you know, when people are overweight and they lose a ton of weight, they they apply that. Okay, I had a good month. Now let me let me do it again. Do it again. Do it again. That is how winners win. So I love that man. That really just hit me in the feels. Oh, man, that, it really did hit me in the feels, man. Hey, go do it again. I mean, we're we're growing this show, and you know, we pat ourselves on the back and we get we get more followers. By the way, don't forget to share and invite your friends. But. uh Shameless yeah, plugger, but <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do it over and over again, man. We're just gonna keep doing it. But man, that was awesome. I'm really looking forward to watching them beat the shit out of Rutgers now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you have anything else you want to talk about the offense? No, man. He just got me my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should have led with the offense and and saved the defense for last and just left it at that. But um, Mertz started off eight for nine in this game. Looked like he was playing confident at the two rushing touchdowns, the passing touchdown, which. Credit to Paul Chris. That was a beautiful play call. It the, was. The, Iowa's entire defense sold out to stop the run, and Ferguson was just standing in the back of the end zone by himself. Um, it was a good throw by Mertz. He had to he had to put it up a little bit high so it didn't get batted down at the line. 
It was fine. Ferguson caught it. You're good. Um, I saw people complaining that he almost threw Ferguson, and it's like, really? You're going to really nitpick with Graham Mertz right now? For like, real, this is, dude. Like, he's, <sighs> he's done so many shoot-yourself-in-the-foot things, and now he's finally starting to get right, and you're going to nitpick that? He threw a touchdown pass, but it wasn't pretty, so it's not it good. It wasn't, enough. yeah. It was only 88% accuracy, so why wasn't it 100? Like, why is yeah. Graham Mertz not Aaron Rodgers at 20 years yeah. old? Yeah, uh-huh. So that that rubbed me the wrong, the wrong way a little bit, but that's not what we're here for. Um, so the offensive – we had to give the offensive line some credit. Hey, we, we Yeah, we talked bad about the offensive line for probably three weeks straight because they – they weren't getting any push, so Malusi had some bad games where he was basically getting one-yard runs. and running into people. Yeah, and he had nowhere to go because teams right. could stack the box. So now mm-hmm. it feels like the, the whole team has some breathing room. I should say the offense has some breathing room collectively where they feel like they can move the ball a little bit. Danny Davis was big this week. Uh, and, you know, Malusi, he's still kind of slow to get going, but Braylon Allen – He's he's doing it all. Uh, he had a nice spin move this week, so he's showing off some finesse to go with his power. Um, he's going to be real good for another two years uh, until he goes to the yeah. NFL. Yep, and then when he's drafted <laughs> in the first round, then he's the next Jonathan Taylor. Can't wait for that. <laughs> he might be the next human pinball machine, Aaron Jones. Shout out to Josh, our Packer buddy. Yeah, man, we so, got to get him on pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we haven't had him on for a while, but um, – what I want to say about Mertz is that even though he cooled off in the second half, what he didn't do was turn the ball over. Yep. No turnovers from Graham Mertz this week. That is that is a big step in the right direction. And if he plays a whole game the way he played the first half, I mean, Graham Mertz would look great. He'd have a great game. I mean, he had a really good game, but, I mean, he could be really great, and then you cut out those mistakes. And that's where we get into to blowout territory. When you can cut out those mistakes, you can stay, you know, you can stay hot, stay doing the right things, keep the balance with the offense. That's where we're going to get into blowout territory with the Badgers and back to more of the ways that you expect Badger football to play. Even yeah. though we are usually a quarterback short of making it to, you know, a college football playoff type situation. Maybe next year. I mean, if we get if we get enough people back, but we got four more games this year at least in the regular season where we get yep. hopefully we keep seeing Mertz grow. That's the only thing that I got, I guess. Is hopefully he yep. just keeps growing. Yeah. So the last four games, the Badgers averaging five point four yards per carry. That is that's a pretty solid clip. And that's you know, that's credit to the offensive line for being better. And then just for um Chesma Lucy and Braylon Allen, their their dynamic feels a lot better since Jalen Berger was dismissed from the team. Mm-hmm. Um it's unfortunate that Isaac Arendo got injured, but now it feels like they they know their roles a little bit better, and I mean with you know with Tresma Lucy being a transfer and Braylon Allen you know being like a rookie basically, and it seemed like they they it took a little bit for um for guys to know their roles a little bit, and it feels now that they have you know they're they're going to get basically even carries, and you know do what you can with your carries, and Braylon Allen is doing what he can, and Tresma Lucy is doing what he can. They're both doing good things, but um. Question came in is, do we think that the Badgers stick with Graham Mertz next year? And for me, it's absolutely. Um, yeah. I was, it's 100% yes. I mean, he's a redshirt sophomore, so last year doesn't count towards his eligibility. 
So basically have him for two more years yet, and that's if he decides to leave the program. So, I mean, we have him for two more years for sure, potentially three. I mean, we got, I, he's going to want to keep progressing. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, uh, he's not going anywhere. Paul Chris isn't going anywhere for one. Uh, we have we have both our top running backs. One's a sophomore, one's a freshman coming back. We have a young offensive line. We always get offensive line recruits. He's not going to get these big bulls everywhere. Yep. Um, but I think I think Mertz, uh, man, Tyler, you really nailed it on the head. His confidence is really really growing these last couple of weeks, and you could tell by the way he stands in the pocket and the way he's firing, and you could just tell he's kind of a different player than he was because he was really getting knocked around. I mean, the media was killing him. We yep. were killing him a little bit, and I mean, we try to we try to refrain from that kind of stuff. But it was like, man, I was getting frustrated. And lost. Gotta, I mean, gotta we keep were, it realistic, though. Yeah, I mean, he looked bad for for the first three out of the four weeks. I mean, he didn't really have to throw a pass against Eastern, Eastern Michigan because we were going to kill them anyways. But he he looked bad the first month of the season. He's really progressed and looked better. And uh, for Bucks fans that are getting a little discouraged right now. Keep this Badgers football team in your mind because, you know, we're not even 10 games into the freaking season uh, and everybody's freaking, oh, this, this, this. Like, dude, we're, we're – I mean, we'll, we'll get there. We're, we're going to get into that. Yeah. I'm pretty frustrated with how people are talking about the Bucks, you know, because they're yep, chirping. Okay, congratulations, Chicago. You're 6-1. and one. I mean <laughs> – Heading into November. That's cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get oh, there. Yeah, we'll get there. I'm, I'm ready for that. But, yes, he stays. I'm gonna think about uh, he the Bucks did, all day, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he did miss Ferguson on a third and nine, overthrew him just a little bit, and that's that's yeah. an experience thing. Um, Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor are both gonna be gone next year. They're both like super seniors. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I think Jake Ferguson's a junior, if I'm not mistaken. He might be a no. Is he a, is he a sophomore or is he a junior? Senior? I think he's a senior. I think he only came back for one more season. He did like the Brad Davison thing. Okay, so that, but Kemery DK is a sophomore for sure. I know that for a fact. Kemery yep. DK is a sophomore, so he has a receiver that he can grow with. And um, one other tight end that we want to mention is Clay Cundiff. Um, he got hurt on Saturday. He had to be uh, ambulance off. Uh, he was released from the hospital on Saturday night, so he is, he is, you know, he's okay. He's not uh, probably not coming back this season. Um, I didn't have an official injury designation um they don't have to disclose that in college like they do in the nfl but um yeah clay Cundiff was released on from the hospital on saturday night so um that's the Actually, last thing i had for the badgers offense i follow a badgers page i'll have to find out which one it is but his mom actually wrote something in there and talked about how she appreciated everybody showing showing him love and supporting him and stuff like that so i thought that was pretty cool um i mean hey wisconsin we love our sports we support our people and we're not dirty like Vikings fans and don't cheer for injuries. Dude, Sorry, when I – Dude, dude. oh, my – I saw somebody <laughs> – it was a Bears fan. Okay. And it happened during the Cardinals game when Tunyon got injured. He's like, oh, Robert Tunyon's out. Like, that's good. It's like, really? Come like, on, Cheering dude. for in- – my my literal response was cheering for injuries. Dot dot dot. Be better. There's there's I no. Mean, that's one thing that you know we will come hard on one stance, on yeah. one side, and we will not falter on that. And that's cheering for injuries. 
Absolutely if you not. if you cheer for opposing teams getting injured, like don't follow our show. That's not that's never a, a good thing because you know, like sure, free agents can choose where they go, and you know, as mm-hmm. college athletes, you can choose where you go. But you know, if you get drafted by the Vikings, like that's that sucks for you because you're not on the Packers, which would be cool. But I mean, we don't don't cheer for people to get injured. They're still people, and not only Absolutely. that, even when you get to the sports aspect of it is you want to beat other teams when they're at their best so that you can say you beat them when they're at their best. If yep. the Chiefs beat the Packers this weekend, they're going to be like, oh, well, they didn't have Aaron Rodgers. That is what it is. Nobody's going to be like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers has COVID. Yeah, I'm excited. I hope he dies because he has COVID. Right. Like, don't, and don't do that. I don't no. care who you're a fan of. Don't cheer no. for injuries. That's never okay. And, and look at James' comment right now. He said, uh, yep. after the Saints game, I had to deal with at least two Bucks fans celebrating Winston's injury. And that's terrible. You should never cheer. I mean, nope. we got we got our asses handed to us by the Saints. I mean, we, we could come out and say that. Everybody knows. Yep. I'm not going to cheer for Jameis Winston to tear his ACL. Do I like no. to pick on him for the eating the W thing and the and the crab legs? And Yeah, I like to pick on him for the goofy stuff he does. He's a goofy dude. Dude, that's like – I don't cheer like for somebody just... to tear their ACL, dude. That's Exactly. I mean, at that point, you just tell people to be better and then ignore them. Just like like Justin Fields is a good example. Like we're not cheering for for anybody to be injured, so we're not cheering for Justin Fields to be injured. Like yeah, we want him to play poorly so we can you know make fun of Bears fans for thinking that they're on their exactly. fourth consecutive their fourth consecutive draft savior. But um, <laughs> yep. you know, it's <laughs> but we're not cheering for anybody to get injured, right? So um, I mean, I was gonna say about Fields. I was gonna say. I would rather him not get hurt. I want him to play his way out of the starting role. That's what I want. <laughs> I don't want him to get hurt. I want him to stay completely 100% healthy and remain the turnover machine that he is. That's what I want. All right. So, Jake, I have a little surprise for you. Oh, boy. Oh! oh! <laughs> In the building! What Come up? What's up, dog? <laughs> What's up, buddy? All right, you joined. Oh, you were you're lucky. We were right at the tail end of talking about the Badgers in Iowa, and um, we're going to let you give a little uh, a little bit of an update really quick, and then you have to pay the Pied Piper with pie. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that was not a good game. Not a good game. Your defense is legit. I literally I stopped watching it after. I think after halftime, we got our first first down. I'm like, Jesus. So, like, I kind of gave up. Yeah, you guys dominated us. So, I got these pies right here. But uh, Two, yes. <laughs> hey, I'm a man of my words. So, I'm a man of my words. So All right. So, we didn't want to just uh, bring you in and tell you to take pies in the face and then sh- and shoo you off right away. We right, had you right, on right. to talk about uh, some boxing and some UFC stuff, and you said you wanted to uh, – to let people know some stuff that um, happened recently and some stuff that's coming up quick. So, um, you know, just give some people some things to watch out for in the, you know, the world of, of professional fighting. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for the last month or so, the UFC's kind of been riding the coattails, just hanging back a little bit. Um, and these big fights are coming now. So, I mean, they got a roster of over 700 guys, so they got to put a lot of cards together. So a lot of these cards in the past month have been fight night cards or they're free on ESPN plus, but we got a big banger last weekend. It was a stacked card. The top three fights. Um, the first one was the Islam Mahashev versus Dan Hooker. Um, 
Islam was a huge favorite, as most people would have guessed, right? So um, Islam's little backstories, he's grown up, but he's cousins with Habib Nurmagomedov, who is one of the greatest ever, um, and, and kind of grew up under the lineage of that. Um, he was a huge favorite against Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker's been around the UFC for a long time. Um, so if you're a betting man, a lot of people took that bet on Dan Hooker because he was, I think, like, I don't even, like a plus 250 to a minus 650 or something like that. So the money was really, really good. So a lot of people pushed with Hooker, and so did I. Didn't last very long. Um, took, took Hooker right down right away, proved that he is going to be the next champion, finished him within the first minute or two made it look easy um so be on the lookout for islam mahashev be on the lookout for all the Dag- dagestani and russians they're coming like crazy and there's nothing anybody can do about it um yeah i look at him as your ufc champion at 155 pounds very very soon you know probably early 2022 he's gonna have that shot so um he is a little um he's not quite seasoned yet so that's kind of the drag there is you know is he ready for that but he proved Saturday night that he most definitely is ready for that. So um, next big fight was uh, Piotr Jan and Corey, the Sandman Sandhagen. Um, these two guys are the most high level at 135. There really is in the world. Um, it, it showcased that fight was everything that everybody wanted. Um, so Piotr Jan was a champion for, you know, about a year. Um, and then he had lost it to Aljamain <laughs> Sterling. So um, when he lost it to Sterling, it was an illegal knee. So everybody's kind of, you know, saying Sterling's not the real champ and Piotr Jan showed us why he really is the champ. Um, that fight Saturday was for the interim belt. So basically whoever wins that gets a shot at the real um, unified title next. So, um, <laughs> That's our buddy Isaac. Oh, yeah. Okay, I got you. Islam is a beast. Yeah, yeah. Islam's definitely going to be the next, you know, the champion for probably as long as he wants. Um, with his comparisons to Habib, Habib's a little bit better on the ground, but Islam's a lot better striker. And his in Islam's ground game still a ten out of ten. So um, good luck with anybody. You know, Charles Oliveira is the champion right now. He's um, an amazing jujitsu black belt who submits a lot of people. So he kind of possesses the skills, if anybody, um, to beat Islam. Um, but back to the Piotr Jan fight. I mean, Piotr showed why he's a champion. Um, he's going to get Aljo back um, for the unify the title here soon. Hopefully we got TJ Dillashaw coming off a win against Corey Sandhagen. So nobody's lost real stock, but the real champion in my eyes is Piotr Jan. And they're going to run that back with Aljamain Sterling. You know, once Aljo gets done with the surgery, kind of heals back up. And uh, the main event was Glover Teixeira versus uh, Jan Blohevich. So Jan's been the champ. He's defended it a few different times now since John Jones vacated that 205 belt. Um, Jan's been the guy. He's got the Polish power. I'll fight you on the gravel pit. The gravel pit. You'll be in the pit <laughs> of the gravel. Just knock it off. I will, I, will take, I will take Curtis in less than two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, easily. Tish already knows that. You don't Dude, Cur- Curtis versus Tish is like the Packers facing the Buccaneers without Aaron Rodgers. It ain't going to be, be good. Yeah, he knows it. He don't want it. But, um, yeah, that title fight was awesome, man. Glover's been around for a super long time. He's 42 years old and just became a champion. You know, that's that's amazing at the highest level. So, good to see that for Glover. He had some visa issues early on in his career. Couldn't get into the UFC. You know, couldn't get over from Brazil to the – United States and so for him to bounce back after all those years and that 42 years old becoming the oldest champion ever was amazing 
Um, and so I just kind of wanted to touch base. I thought those are big ones this weekend. Um, it's full of fights. I know Wisconsin even has a good fight card, a local fight card. It's got one of my old teammates on it versus um, one of Sheboygan's very own nasty Nate Jennerman. So that'll be a cool fight. If you guys live around there and you want to get into fighting, the best way to really feel that atmosphere is to get out to one of those shows because that's where everybody comes from, man. That's why they have all these Dana White contender series. They're grabbing guys from shows like that, giving them a chance and giving them a contract. So, um, And then the boxing fight this weekend is uh, Canelo versus Caleb Plant. Um, that's a great one. Canelo is pound for pound, the greatest boxer in the world right now. Caleb Plant is undefeated. Um, he is a weight class above, so Canelo is going to challenge that. Um, Caleb's got a crazy story. He lost his daughter five days after she was born. She had a hundred seizures a day. She made it to about 20 months old. And the last thing he said is your dad will become a world champion, which he is a world champion, but it's just a super cool story. They had gotten to an altercation at the weigh-ins, um, both through a punch. Caleb caught one on the eye pretty well there. So that'll be a great fight this weekend. And then um, the UFC card is absolutely stacked. We have uh, Kamora Usman and uh, Colby Covington is the main event for the title. Um, that one's a rematch. The first fight was amazing. They went back and forth, traded all the way to the fifth and final round before Usman took him out. So rematch there. Colby Covington's the Donald Trump guy. He's make America great again. He is the American fighter. He bleeds it out. Talks a lot of shit. Like we talked before with the Floyd Mayweather thing. People come to watch you lose or they come to watch you win. Colby's making a shit ton of money. So um, people are probably going to watch, try to watch him lose. He will be the underdog, but by not, not by much. So that'll be a really good fight. And then Thug Rose, Nami Yunus, does the rematch with Zhang Wei Li for the uh, 125 title. Yeah, 125. Little Thug Rose, man. <laughs> you, you ever have a sport moment where it just gives you chills to your body and almost just want to break down like it just brings something to you? When I watch Thug Rose fight, man, it sends every chill through my body. She finished Zhang Weili the last time they fought for the title in like 20 seconds with the head kick, knocked her out cold. So um, we'll see how this changes things. You know, Zhang coming over from China is now training in Arizona with Henry Cejudo, gold medalist in uh, wrestling. So we'll see if that has anything to do with it. Thug Rose has some of the best stand-up and do not doubt her ground game with her jiu-jitsu. She is one of the top level at that as well. So, um some good fights, man. The, the last weekend was amazing. This weekend, we got a lot of good stuff. You know, we got Logan Paul, Mike Tyson might be coming up. I don't know. You know, I'll have to get a little bit more information on that shit show before I start to dissect it. Is it a sparring <laughs> match? Is it not? I don't know. Um, so we got some stuff. Jake Paul is finally taking on a real contender and in, um, in the uh, Tyson Fury's brother, his younger brother, who's also 7-0, same weight class. He is a professional boxer. I still think Jake takes that takes that fight and knocks his head off. To be honest with you, um, but it's 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 the perfect storm for him. People want him to fight somebody of size, a real boxer, somebody that's got a good record, um, and, and he falls into all those uh, all those Checks areas all the there. So, yeah. so yeah, it's just a perfect scenario, man. And I really think he can beat him. And I know Jake obviously thinks that too. So he's gonna shut up the haters. He even, you know, went, went at Dana White and said, Hey, daddy, Dana, look at this. I'm fighting a real guy. So, um, a lot of good stuff coming up. ESPN plus, if you guys have that, most of these fights are on ESPN plus for free. So it's a good way, you know, that platform has helped a lot of people, um, watch these fights cause not everybody can afford it. Um, and, uh, pay for those types of pay-per-views. So, 
That's it, guys. I wanted to get that to you guys quick. I know we got a lot coming up. I, I don't know if you guys talk Packers yet. That's going to be interesting this weekend. I still got faith that's, in my boy. That's our, uh, that's our live show tomorrow, actually. We're doing one at the oh. Green Bay Parker Johns. So tomorrow is going to be Ooh. all Packers. And you're oh, not yeah. the only person getting pied this week. My dad's getting pied tomorrow by Aiden. Oh, for what? Because he for lost uh, fourth the the hot dog eating contest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I got these pie ideas from Pat himself, so um, better lose this. I'm going to put on my Aaron Jones shades here. (laughs) If you pull out a sombrero and take this pie, I'll lose my shit. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking pie it up, bro. She's loving this, by the way, you motherfucker. She's my friend. Ready? Uh, no, but yeah. Don't, uh, don't give, don't give him a warning. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my god! Yeah, I, I got know to that. it up some more. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Tyler doesn't know that feeling yet. Yeah, girl. Tyler doesn't know that. Feeling. Oh, <laughs> two in one day. Oh, that old boy. Hey, hey, hey! Uh, that one movie. That was a good movie, bro. <laughs> he has the little windshield wipers, bro. You're like Mrs. Doubtfire right now. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, What's I appreciate up, it, man. That was awesome, dude. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, um, I'm going to have to get you guys back on this shit. College basketball is coming up, buddy. We could do something. I was going to say, basketball. yeah, maybe. Go <laughs> uh, Hawks. <laughs> Oh, awesome. <laughs> oh, damn. Jordy is now full of crap, and if, for you that don't know them, that is my dog, Mr. Jordy. Holy Named him after Jordy Nelson. You bet you, pal. Chelsea sounds like she's having a great time. All right, go pack, boys. Shit. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. Appreciate Thanks you. for joining us, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, buddy. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> That went well. I can't believe he took two. I really can't believe he took two. That's good stuff. Chelsea did a good job of only getting on one side of his face on the first one and then came and hit him on the other side for the second one. So uh, uh, kudos to Chelsea for nailing that. Well, next year when we do this, just hit him with both right in the middle of the face. Really spread it around. You know, and and no warning. I Like, like your dad kind of gave you a warning. He gave you, like, a countdown. And then, like, your second one, I told Cece, I'm like, don't even give him a warning. Just hit him in the face with it. Like, got to hit him unexpected, so... I'm still going to talk about this, okay? My dad gave me a warning, but he gave me a 4.8 out of 10 on the Richter scale to my face. My, my neck, I swear to God, I can't sleep right, bro. He, just, he was talking to me the other day. He was like, hey, tell Aiden not to smash me. I was like, I will. I'm like, I'll be the dummy for when people smash pies, okay? Because I know how it messes up your neck and your whole sleep schedule. And... I'm just talking to you. Okay. Alright. Alright, so that was that was good timing. So now we get to go into uh, Badgers and Rutgers preview. We'll run through this yep. quick. We are gonna talk about the Bucks. We're not gonna get super in-depth with it just because there's not a ton to talk about. So let's do this Badgers versus Rutgers preview, and then we'll talk yep. about the Bucks, and then we are gonna get to our Badgers primer. So um okay. let's talk Badgers Rutgers. All right, let me just go through it all. We're on a little time limit here. Um First of all, this game is going to be on Big Ten Network, 2.30 in the afternoon on Saturday. If you're looking to watch it, Big Ten Network is your station. Over-under is 37.5, and Wisconsin is minus 11.5. So Might actually take that over, honestly. 
Yeah, the the bet. I mean, my score. I went over. Um, Wisconsin is favored by quite a bit. Um, I think you know. I looked up their leading passer, Noah. He has fourteen hundred and twelve yards, sixty-one point eight completion percentage, seven touchdowns, three picks. Nothing super impressive. Their leading running back, one hundred sixteen carries, four hundred twenty yards. He only averages three point six yards per carry, and three touchdowns. He ain't doing shizzy against our defense. I'll tell you that right now. Badgers are going to stop the run. They're going to force force them to beat us with the pass. Um, in the rushing game, on defense, they give up 143 per game. So they're already giving up 143. They have to go against us, who average 212 per game. We know the recipe. You know, uh, who, the, who, had it, who said it last week? Uh, it was Fayon Hicks. He, he talked about how they're going to play good defense. And we're going to run the dang ball. Wisconsin football, baby. That is going yep. to be the MO for the rest of the year. It's been the MO for this four-game winning streak. That's what we're about. We're going to run the ball. We're going to play good defense. Um, for me, I'll give you my score prediction right away since we're just trying to run through this real quick. My score prediction is 35-7. to 7. I think this is a relatively easy game. Oh, I mean, it's so weird. <laughs> Dude, there'll be – yeah, I'm getting my pen ready for yours because I always – right down to your score prediction. But it's going to be a relatively easy game. We're going to run the ball. We're going to play some defense. We're going to sack the quarterback. Hopefully we force a couple more couple turnovers. And uh, we move on to next week. That's what I'm looking for. All right. Well, I'll just throw it out there right away. My score prediction is 33-9. to nine, So we are really close, again, within two points oh. on both teams. This is it's, – it's really weird how often that happens. Uh, Rutgers <laughs> has four wins this season. Um, yep. Temple, Syracuse, Delaware, and Illinois. Those are their four yeah. wins. Yep. Um, Badgers should have no problem running the ball in this game. And no. Rutgers doesn't pressure the quarterback on defense. So Mertz can he can take his time. You know, he doesn't need to rush. I mean, obviously he wanna, you know, I want to get the timing and the rhythm, but he doesn't need to rush throws. He can take his time. The offensive line, we just talked about it, has been better. So um this is something I hammer on with the Packers all the time, but the Badgers need to be better on third down too. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned we talked about Iowa. You know they had some extra chances where they came away with three instead of seven, and you know that's something that the Badgers can look to improve on. Even though they just beat a top ten team, so they do still have things to work on. Obviously, limiting the turnovers and penalties is part of that as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I threw a couple things out there. The Badgers have the number one defense in the country, so. There's that. Um, the Badgers in Big Ten play have allowed the least amount of points by a pretty big margin. The Badgers have only allowed 74 points in Big Ten play. Wow. Number two is Penn State with 86. And they gave up a shizzy in that Michigan game, too. Wow. So, and then this is on the flip side of that. Rutgers in Big yep. Ten play has only scored sixty six points. Ugh. Yeah. So my my nine points for Rutgers might have been a little generous, honestly. Dude, I wanted to predict a shout out. I really did because I was looking at their stats and I was like, they're garbage. Ugh. Yeah. But I'll give I'll give them a, a free touchdown because that's probably what will happen. See, I, in my mind, I was just thinking three field goals, but they might not even get the three field goals. It, 
Yeah, I maybe should have said I maybe should have said thirty three to six instead of thirty three to nine. Yeah. All right. Well, hit us with the weather report. All right. Well, it's gonna be pretty mild weather. Fifty seven degrees. East northeast winds at four miles per hour. Nothing crazy. No crazy cloud coverage. No chance of precipitation. It's gonna be a Wisconsin football game, baby. We're gonna run the damn ball. We're going to tell you we're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball some more, and then we're going to sack your quarterback. Welcome to Wisconsin. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have anything anything else, Badgers football, before we run through the Bucks? No, sir. Let's, uh, let's talk about the Bucks that everybody's freaking out about, even though we're not 10 games in. Yeah. So I will – you know, I'm just going to run through the, the games really quick and give basically like the highlights – and then, Jake, I'll get your thoughts, and we'll talk about it, and then we'll move on. That's basically what we're going to do with the Bucks because they're in this situation that they're in where they're not they're not fully healthy. They're not even close to fully healthy. Honestly, they're 40% healthy if you look at the starters that they're missing three of right now. And the Minnesota game, D'Angelo Russell got off to a hot start, and the pick-and-roll defense needs work. Giannis finished with 40-16, seven, three blocks. And was three for six on threes. Uh, Middleton, 16, five and five. Grayson Allen at 13 points. And the team shot 14 of 51, which is about 25% on three pointers. So I'm going to come back to that. Isaac's getting a little ahead of me. He's jumping ahead to the Detroit game, talking about Giannis's comments. <laughs> so um, that Minnesota game, no Drew, no Brooke. Uh, Bobby was back, but. Um, the San Antonio game, Grayson Allen was showing he's got some some driving dish abilities. He hit Giannis cutting to the basket for a nice dunk. Um, it was the second game in a row where he let one guy control the first quarter. And, I mean, the first half as a whole was really sloppy. And they still had the lead at halftime, but they played really sloppy to end the third quarter. And then they just didn't get back to the, to the lead. Um, DeJounte Murray scored 16 points in the fourth quarter out of his 23 Giannis, 28, 13, and three assists. Chris Middleton, 19, 5, and 5. And they were 10 for 39 on threes, which is about mm-hmm. 25%. Going to talk mm-hmm. about that again. Mm-hmm. Utah, their three-point shooting was insane to start the first quarter. They made like their first six field goals, I think, and five of them were threes. And Justin Robinson, he played hard, and he got some, some bad foul calls. There was one he was driving or he was being driven on, caught an elbow to the face, and was called for a foul. Like, that was, you know, it's, it sucks, but, you know, Justin Robinson's not getting calls over Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. Second one was he, uh, Donovan Mitchell's dribbling the ball, Justin Robinson reaches in, pokes it away, gets nothing but the ball, and it's called for a foul. It was just really early, Justin Robinson just getting some some bad calls, but he... He stayed, um, he stayed aggressive. He left it all out there. And Justin Robinson, for a guy who doesn't have a ton of NBA experience, is really leaving it all out there. And you know, I, I respect him for that. Um, the Bucks had the lead down to four with a minute and thirty-seven seconds left, and they just couldn't get over the hump. Donovan Mitchell was just too much. Um, Giannis, twenty-five, seven rebounds, six assists, two blocks, two steals. Um, Grayson Allen had eighteen points in this game. They were without Brooke, Drew, and Chris Middleton, who tested positive for COVID. And they were 12 of 41 on threes. 
which is just over 25%. More on that again later. Now, the Detroit game was – this is funny because I made this, this this parallel in my head was that it seems to always be a Michigan team that is a get-right game uh, for our teams. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew it the whole time. I was going to say the same thing. Hey, whenever your team's going to slump, just hope you play that professional team. In play Michigan. somebody from Michigan, yeah. You'll be good to go, yeah. Yeah, you know, the and Badgers needed one. Eastern Michigan was a get-right game. Nope. Uh, I mean, nope. the Detroit Lions were a get-right game for the for the Packers, and now the the Pistons are a get-right game for the Packers. So <laughs> I knew you, were um, you just you just need a Michigan game, a team from Michigan <laughs> to have a get-right game. <laughs> so the the defense was rallying to the ball early, so that was encouraging to see. Um, Bobby Portis just could not get a shot to fall in that first half, but he eventually no. did. Um, Giannis is really flexing his court vision, like really flexing it. He was getting double teamed a lot and he was finding guys open for, for threes, for layups, um, which credit to Thanasis. He, I don't think he ever stands still. Like once he steps on the court, like I don't think he stops moving like ever. (laughs) And you know, his, his size, but also being, fast and strong gives the Bucks a lot of flexibility on defense because he is a little bit undersized, but he's tenacious. So it doesn't matter who he's going against. He will defend with physicality. And that's what I love about the is that he gives 150% effort a hundred percent of the time. Um, so this game, Giannis just casually hits a walk up three with 20 seconds left on the shot clock. Yeah. Yeah, just because, you know, was... <laughs> that was right after the Pistons hit a three. So the Pistons hit a three. Giannis gets the inbound, walks up, pulls a three with 17 seconds left in the shot clock and cashes it. Yeah, dude, his jumper's like, looking a lot better. Okay, so Giannis better. is – and he's got confidence in it. So if Giannis has confidence in something that he's doing, you can rest assured that it's going to go well. Yep. So – Giannis finished this game 28, eight rebounds, nine assists, four blocks. Pat Connaughton and Jordan Laura both had 16 points. And the Bucks finished 17 of 37 on threes, just under 46%. So they finally got that going. I texted you during the game and I said, the Bucks role players need to start hitting threes. Yep. And that's that's Rodney Hood. That's Semi Ojale, who we're going to talk about in a minute here. That's <sighs> Justin Robinson. That's George Hill. Um, Grayson Allen is he's getting there, but you know these these role players they gotta start hitting their open threes because, like I just mentioned, Giannis is showing off the court vision, and mm-hmm. you know those guys are gonna get those shots. They're gonna be there. So I'll let you uh, <laughs> I'll let you respond to Isaac's comment about Giannis's comments today, and then um, just a couple things that I want to mention about the books. So. Um. Well, that was funny. Giannis is uh, Giannis is like a corny funny. Like he he's he made dad jokes. He's like he's like yeah, he's like he's dad joke funny. Yeah, like he he's he's like you you hear him say a joke and you're just like, a grown man said that on purpose, huh? Okay, well, it is what it is. Yeah, you just you just laugh about it. You're like he's just a goofball. Um, so I wanted to just point out some of the things that I saw. I guess the three point shooting was definitely something that was a trend that was down. And, you know, last night, man, you know, you talked about how he got double a lot. When I was watching that game, I was like, 
Giannis is like purposely dribbling into situations where he's going to get double teams. Yeah. So he knows somebody's going to get all. Dude, he talks about that all the time. That that yeah. doing the regular season, that's when he like does all of the things that he wants to be better at. So he yeah. probably is putting himself in those situations on purpose. <laughs> he's like, you know what? I'm going to force him to play me like this, so I have to shoot that jump shot. <laughs> I'm going to dribble. I'm going to dribble toward. The, there's two guys in front of me. I'm still dribbling yeah. towards the baseline. I'm like, what kind of maniac are you, man? But, dude, <laughs> Giannis, dude. I just wanted to touch on the jumper. Um, the thing about the jumper that we are so excited about is it doesn't look so herky-jerky, you know, and the elbow's not out here. and It doesn't he, look robotic. It, it's it's one motion, right? Yes. Now, the next step for him to get, the, to get an actual jumper is the consistency, right? So once he shoots that a thousand times in the game, that fadeaway bit, First of all, that guy followed the shit out of him on that one. You're not stopping that, okay? When when Giannis shoots a fadeaway on the baseline, you're not stopping it. You basically just stand there, just like when Kevin Durant does it, right? You stand there, and if you you, you hope to God it doesn't go in. Durant definitely. With Giannis, you're kind of like oh, I like my chances because he's not dunking on my face. But <laughs> I heard Jalen Rose hit it, and uh, he does his show. Uh, it's called Jalen and Jacoby. It's one of the like afternoon shows on ESPN. And I was cleaning up my notes. And I heard Jalen Rose, and he said, Giannis is the best player in the NBA. And I was like, okay, I'm intrigued. It's a Bucks fan, obviously. He said, name another guy that could come down, do a dribble pull-up three like you said. He could pass the ball like he does. He could block four shots like he does. And then when the team's up 30, he's still going in the game. He still wants to keep going in the game. To go play like, point guard. Yeah, he's like – you know, th- this guy, you know, LeBron, he's like, I see LeBron in year 19. I see I see Kevin Durant who can shoot from, from any parking lot in America. He's like, but all those guys are sitting out when they're up by 30. Even if their team was struggling, they lost three in a row. LeBron's sitting out. Kevin Durant is sitting out. Giannis is like, no, I'm the leader of this team. We're going to play 48 minutes. And we're going to dominate. And then you know what? We're going back to that Wisconsin mindset. We're going to do it again. And then we're yeah. going to do it again. And we're going to do it again. Now, the only thing with the Bucks is just like the Packers, just get healthy. You know, yep. COVID-19 is definitely a trend, a, ba- a sad trend right now in Wisconsin. You know, got Chris Middleton. Um, it's really, really taking apart the Packers roster one by one right now. So I hope they can just survive that. We'll get into that tomorrow. But, you know, no Brooke and no Bobby. I was trying to look up uh, when they're coming back, but. All I got was there's. It, it said they're gonna miss the next couple of games. What I saw was Drew will be back soon, and there's yeah. no timetable for Brooke. Uh, you know, and with back injuries, you know, kind of like with Z, especially, it's like uh-huh. it's hard. It's hard to tell, man. Especially he, when he's 34 years old. So yeah, and he he's been wearing that special back brace for how long now? So uh-huh. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I all I know is Brooke Lopez is very important to us. Um, about the bench, man. First of all, I would like to say they lost all three of those games because of one reason. No paint protection. Absolutely no paint protection. Guards can go in there and they're not scared. The only person they have to worry about is Giannis. And when he's out of the game, who who else is blocking shots? People can contest. That's that's where people saying that we can just get rid of Brooke without bringing in another rim protector – that's 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 where that parallel ends. That's why we talked about it last week, where we talked about guys that can protect the rim, elite on defense, and space the floor. 
So for me, the only other guy that is even remotely realistic that can play that role is Miles Turner. Yeah. We're not getting Anthony Davis, obviously. So the only other guy that can really play that role of floor spacing and interior defense is Miles Turner. Well, when you take he, usage, he remains at the top of my list. Into account. Yeah, if you take usage rate into account, it's the, they're the exact same player. One's just younger. It's yes. the only difference, really. But, ah, oh, man, the, no pain protection. It, man, it was really, really – I was getting pissed watching these games, man. I'm like, bro, these dudes can do whatever they want. They can mix these guards up however they want. You know, and everybody's dogging um, George Hill and, you know, Grayson Allen. And I'm like, dude, it's hard to play defense right now because usually, you know, our defense philosophy is, okay, we could we could push them to Brook. We could push them to Giannis, and we'll just stay out on the three and we'll contest that. They give up the yep. corner three at an alarming rate all the time, which is annoying. But if you have to give up something, you're going to have to give up something. You can't guard the whole court for 48 minutes every night. Right. So, I mean – it, having no Brook is really, really hurting us. Um, and I wanted to give some love to my man G Hill. I think he's doing a great job. And that game against the Jazz, I feel like the Bucs got worked on a little bit. It was never really a close game. Um, George Hill was the only player that was positive plus minus for the entire Bucks team. He was plus seven. And my key to the Spurs game, only four players on the Bucs went to the free throw line. Do you know how ridiculous that is? That's terrible. And two were on the bench. That can't happen. Absolutely cannot. You got to spread the wealth. You got to attack. You got to shoot threes. You got to be even. The Bucs just didn't play good basketball last week. It is what it is. They're dealing with stuff. Like I said, how many times? We're not even 10 games into the season, so Mm -hmm. I'm not really stressing. You know, we got plenty of time to get things right. The the sky is not falling. Yeah, and yeah, settle down, chicken littles out there. I mean, we got to relax here. Everybody, yeah. Everybody's going to clown us because we're the defending champs, but mm-hmm. we saw last year, we said it how many times, the Bu- the Bucks go through experiment games all the time. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is nothing new. This is just yeah. our early experiment games. The Bucks will yes. still be a top three seed in the East, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. The Heat, the heat just both. replaced the Sixers. That's it. <laughs> That's 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 fair. So we're just gonna just throw out a couple things out there, and we'll probably be more in depth with the Bucks next week. We're, we'll start focusing more on you know individual things and yeah, yeah. you know team situations as opposed to looking at results of games, win losses, because um, that's what we have to do right now. You know the the injuries are everywhere, and they're like I said, they're through sixty percent of the starting lineup, plus one of our main bench who would be one of our main bench guys in Dante DiVincenzo. So we still don't have him. Uh, one guy I want to talk about is semi Ojale because he's just starting. He's just starting to find his role with the team. Semi Ojale is not 10 games in semi Ojale is three games in and does not have a defined role on this team. Like a Bobby Portis does or like a Pat Connaughton does. Semi is new to the team. He's a three and D guy. He's just starting with a new team. He's give him a chance to find his role with the team. You know, it's it's gonna give him a little bit of time. Yeah. Uh, and then the last guy that I want to talk about before we bring in Mike and Brennan is Pat Connaughton. Pat Connaughton. We said this whole bunch last year. We said it all throughout the playoffs, all through the finals. I mentioned it last week already because people still don't respect how important Pat Connaughton is to this team. Dude, 
Pat Connaughton's a G, bro, and people need to start putting some respect on him. He oh, he's fully embracing the three and D role. He's I mean he's cannon three pointers like crazy. He's he switched on to Kelly Olynyk a couple times uh, in that Detroit game, and he's. He's really, really, really embracing the three and D role. We talked about how he's improving as a finisher. I mean, he's yeah. really doing everything that he can to help the team, and and so is Jordan Wara. He was uh, interviewed after yesterday's game that he's doing everything the team is asking him to, and trying to contribute in any way that he can. So, um, Giannis said that he joked after the win last night that he thought the Bucks were tanking uh, for the number one pick. <laughs> So obviously, they're aware of their slow start, and they're not concerned about it. Championships are won in in June, in July, not in October. So calm down, Bucks fans. Let the Bulls fans puff their chest about having the best record heading into November, and we'll you know we'll talk about who's winning the championship at the end of the year. Yeah, you guys can have the division title. I'm a okay with that. I like to go for the big boy trophy. That's what I like. All right, so we are going to welcome in some guests, and we are going to talk college basketball now. So we're going to we're going to welcome in Mike and Brennan, and we're going to talk. Let's go! <laughs> All right, what's going on, guys? How's it going? All right, so we have a lot a lot of topics to discuss. Showing off all the badges, love Jake's the odd man out, rocking the Parker right. Johns gear, but right. that's Sponsors, that's for a good reason. Sponsors. So, Sponsors, baby. <laughs> all right, so we have we have a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, you gotta We're gonna do go what you through. Gotta do. <laughs> We're gonna talk about uh, key departures. We're gonna talk about returning players, new recruits, transfers, pick a team MVP, and give a record prediction. So we're gonna jump right in. And we'll kick it to Mike and Brennan. You guys want to do rock, paper, scissors to see who goes first? <laughs> Yo, let's go. <laughs> All right. I'll go, let's go eight before beauty. Let's... All, right, <laughs> All right. So let's talk I about mean... the departures first. And let's talk about the guys who are leaving the team first. Yeah. I mean, you look at guys that are no longer going to be with Wisconsin this year. you got guys like Dimitri Trice, Salim Ford, Micah Potter, Trevor Anderson, Nate Reavers, um, a lot of other guys that left via transfer portal that weren't seniors. Um, and he started off at Dimitri Trice. He was kind of your your lead guard last year, the guy that looked to create everything primarily for Wisconsin. You know, how do you replace a guy like that, 112 games played over his career, including 70 since starts, which is, you know, a lot of – or, you know, a lot of games to replace, a lot of experience to replace, but just through one guy. I mean, you look at Nate Reavers, 80 starts over his career for 93 games total. Uh, Micah Potter played in, you know, 80 games. Aleem Ford was 95 games in his career with Wisconsin, and Trevor Anderson, 39 um, games with Wisconsin over his course of his career. So that's, that's a lot of stuff to have to re- replace for the Badgers, and it's going to be an interesting season, I believe. Yeah, and that's – I looked, you know, I'm reading articles about it. That's 67.9% of your made field goals. That's 66.9% of your scoring and 65% of your block shots from last year, leaving in basically most of your starting lineup and your main bench guy. So, Mike, I don't know if you have anything to add about the departures at all. 
Um, you, you know, with the expectations that, you know, I personally had last year with this team, and I think, you know, any Badger fan who paid close attention to this team, they had ultimate high expectations for the senior class. Um, you know, you look at, you know, what you just said with the statistics. It's going to be tough losses this year. However, I am fully embracing, you know, what we're going into this year. Um, I would tell Badger fans, you got to be open-minded, especially to start this year, because there's definitely going to be uh, some bumps in the road. However, you know, just watching, you know, that just the exhibition game, you know, last week against, you know, my my alma mater of Whitewater, um, you know, there was not everything was perfect by any means. However, there's definitely some bright spots that I'm personally looking forward to. Um, you know, I'm the senior class was great. You know, don't get me wrong that, you know, making the tournament, winning a game, that's great. They still, you know, had an okay season. However, by my expectations, I did not, I didn't necessarily like that, but um, they represented the university, you know, with the utmost class. Um, it was unfortunate, you know, whether if you want to talk about like the uh, Alondo, well, suppose I was going to ask you about that after the departures. So yes, yeah, we will get into that yeah. a little bit. I mean, just like with how, I guess with how it ended, it was, it was disappointing. Yes. I guess you could say they had an okay season, maybe a little above average, average, a little above average, but um, just with how everything ended with the whole recording and all that too, I'm personally ready to embrace this new season. So I'll, I'll definitely, you know, go off of that and um, take it from there. (laughs) It it definitely has that clean slate feel in my opinion, you know, all the, all the, we came in the last year, you know, you mentioned that we had all the expectations because they got super hot the year before you know, and then there was no tournament, and CBS Sports was predicting us to win the title. So then we're coming back, and we're like, "Oh man, you know, we're gonna get back." You know, because you know Frank and and Sam couldn't deliver for us. That sucked. Screw Duke, by the way. I really wish I could flick off, but we're trying to be a family friendly show here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we came into all, all those expectations, and then they kind of just shit the bed. To be clear, ranked, ranked top five, I totally. Agree. Yeah, here. they they just they just shit the bed. You know, especially they, coming they off of. Yeah, right. Go Especially ahead. coming off of winning a conference title. So it's, it's one of those right. things where you win that conference title after starting the year out subpar, you get things rolling and obviously COVID hits and, and yeah. the tournament doesn't happen. And then like you said, you know, with them being predicted or projected to win, you know, the NCAA tournament through a computer simulation, which I feel like this happens constantly <clears throat> to Wisconsin sports where those are mm-hmm. always projected to overachieve. I mean, you look at, not to switch topics, but like the, the, the hype around Graham Mertz when he got on campus, you know, he goes and dominates a senior bowl and this and that, and he's going to do this and he's changing everything. So or you have the Illinois like, game too. Right. Where, where I'm, what I'm getting at is like where it's those expectations are always high because your fan base sees that and they go, Oh wow, we've got all this coming back, which mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, great. They won an NCAA tournament game, all that. But when you've got, one, two, three, four, five guys in your your senior class um, that played, you know, almost 500 games in their career combined. You got to do more than just win that one until the tournament game, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, they lost yeah. to Baylor, right? If I'm not mistaken, correct, correct. If they won the and titles, so. Mitchell, you know, them. just uh, just to <laughs> piggyback off of like what Brennan said, you know, for me last season. I don't want to say what the turning point was like that game when we lost to Marquette kind of like in December there, like that was a, that was a heartbreaker. We had no business, you know, 
losing that game in my opinion, but you know, that's, that just was like the start of like just being just average all year. I mean, you look, even at our big 10 conference record, I think we ended up like 10 and 10, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was literally every single loss was against the teams that were above us. And the only teams that we beat were below us. So that's like, just like pinpoint mediocre, mediocrity. right Talk about being in the worst possible spot, dude. You're basically a no man (laughs) plan at that point. You're not good. You're not bad. It was total. Yeah, you're the yeah. best of the worst. Like, yeah. it's... nobody wants to be that. <laughs> or you're the worst of the best. I mean, you're in a really weird position. And honestly, right. You know, also, kind of some from some foreshadowing, but that's that's where I see them this year. But Mike started to touch on it, and with the Alondo Tucker situation, the only guys that really dealt with that are Brad Davison and Jonathan Davis. I mean, there's some other returning guys, but as far as key players are concerned, and the players that were involved in that. I mean, those are the only two guys that really dealt with a lot of that. This team is going to be really, really young freshmen and sophomores playing a lot of time. Um, so I don't know if you guys are at all worried about the Alondo Tucker situation, basically trying to force himself into Greg Gard's job with Barry Alvarez. And then as the, the AD transitioned, trying to you know force his hand to get somebody in there that he preferred that thought would put him in that head coaching role. So with that whole situation, you know, in, in mind, does any of that concern you heading into this season? I mean, I don't, I'll go, or I'll go first here real quick. Right. So <laughs> personally, yeah, sorry, Brennan, my bad. You get the next You're one. Good. You're um, good. <laughs> personally at first, when it, when it first came out, like, I guess I didn't understand necessarily like how like the lock, the locker room works, so to speak. I mean, these conversations to mine, like, and as I keep looking into it, like this, these, those conversations do happen more often than none in a D one program. It's like kids, like accepting, like what, like the situation at hand, if something's not going right and like how to deal with adversity, um, you know, stuff like it does happen in D one programs. This was definitely not, you know, how it should have been handled on. Yeah coach Tucker's part I get and and that's what it's alluding to um as far as it hurting the recruiting at first and when it first came out I could see it hurting maybe a little bit just depending like you know you just take like some Minnesota kids that are getting recruited by Wisconsin asking like the kids that are on the team like hey what's going on with the situation like getting like their sort of feedback too and just like taking it as, okay, well, I don't want to deal with this coaching staff, you know, going forward. But, um, you know, as like the days went on and just like reading more into it and like what was really going on behind the scenes, I'm feeling a lot more comfortable now with not so much affecting Mm -hmm. like the recruiting side of it. At first I did a little, but now I, I think, I still think guard is going to get his guys that he specific that he wants specifically and his assistance and i mean having coach Krabenhoff is definitely huge huge help he's helped bring in like a lot of you know the guys that are on this team now and um i think going forward we're, we're going to be in a better position i mean there's a reason why brad davison is back too i mean if the situation was absolutely out of control i wouldn't necessarily see him back this year even johnny potentially Johnny Davis or even Tyler wall too. So I think there's definitely, you know, I think it's, it's, it might not be completely like healed, so to speak. However, I think there's definitely progression. 
Yeah, like Jake I, said too, it's would, he really the really feels like a clean slate this year. Go ahead, Brennan. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I agree with what Jake said in terms of like the clean slate aspect of it. Um, you you kind of flush that out by obviously getting you know Tucker out, um, and a lot of that senior class leaving as well. Um, so I mean, you you look at that. I don't think it's going to play as much of a factor this season. Um, Obviously, so moving forward, I think it's 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 flushed itself out of the out of the program, so to speak, for the most part. All right, so we'll let Brennan go first for returning players, and we'll talk about basically Brad Davison, Tyler Wall, um, obviously Jonathan Davis, a guy like Ben Carlson, and then a guy like uh, Lauren Bauman Jr. So Brennan, uh, looking at those returning players. Um, just touch on those guys and then, you know, give one that you're looking to watch this season. Obviously, I think everybody's kind of excited about Johnny Davis, obviously coming off of that, that U19 USA gold uh, run this past summer. Um, Obviously I'm excited to see that. I'm more excited in seeing, because obviously Johnny's going to be one of your go-to guys. I'm more intrigued by the Tyler wall uh, growth personally. Because, I mean, you look at his stats last year, they don't pop off the page at you, you know, 5 points. You watch his games, though? Oh, I fell in love with Tyler Wall last year. He affects so much more than scoring and rebounding. Like, I literally in my notes next to his name have Swiss Army and I've written down because he does a little bit of everything. He's not overly great at one thing, but he's just really good at everything. And you you need those guys on every roster, especially – you know, for a team that doesn't have a lot of size this year, um, you know, Tyler Walcombs at 6'9", so he can guard multiple multiple positions. Um, like I said, he's literally your Swiss Army, excuse me, Swiss Army knife, and you're seeing basketball as it kind of progresses more into positionless. He's one of those guys I think that's the big key for Wisconsin this year. I mean, you look at his his production last year in 18 starts. He played in all 31 games, started 18 games for Wisconsin. You know, he got better as that year went on, averaging he almost really 25 minutes a night. So you can see it. My yeah. Right. Oh, he got more comfortable, and he just yep. it took off from there. I love the hustle that he but, plays with. So if, if that's your guy that you're looking to watch, I I love that pick. So, I, uh, yeah, Mike, Tyler Wall is definitely my guy. Yeah. Mike, who are you looking for out of these guys, if there's anything you want to add? I mean, the two things that I wrote down, Brennan hit positionless and, uh, you know, Swiss, Swiss Army knife, actually. So, I mean, the top three guys that everybody knows for the most part, you know, Tyler Wall, he's a glue guy for sure. Um, positionless. Yep. He can guard so many spots if, if need be. So he's going to be averaging, you know, probably close to that 30-minute range game for sure. Easy. Uh, Brad Davison, who everyone calls like the oldest guy in college yeah, basketball. Yeah. Well, Bad Brad. Johnson, we got we got Mr. <laughs> Bohannon over there at Iowa, who's probably a year or two older than him. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure Brad is a is a is a teenager compared to that guy. So. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I don't think I think he's going to stay on the floor as much as possible. I think, you know, I think Johnny Davis personally is the best player on that team. However, I think Brad Davison is the most important player, if that makes sense, because in terms of a leadership perspective, 
um, and just getting guys like Tyler and Johnny ready to, you know, take over the team after he's gone. Um, I just think from a leadership perspective, he's got to be there. He, and he's going to be there from start to finish with that. So I think he's still the most important, so to speak. I think Johnny Davis, you know, statistically is going to take a huge step though, too. Um, Brennan touched on it earlier with the whole team USA concept. And um, you see, you're reading articles too, leading up into, into the season, like how much, um, you know, whether that's like a step up he's taken since he's gotten home, gotten back from that, uh, from a leadership standpoint and from like, you know, getting more intense workouts in to prepare for the season. Um, I think Johnny Davis for sure is going to, you know, He's gonna and he's gonna have to have a huge year in order for us to be relevant in the Big Ten and even in college basketball in general. I am calling all aboard. I have been the conductor of the Johnny Davis hype train since like midway through last year. So all aboard the Jonathan Davis hype train. So he's definitely my pick of these guys to watch for. Um, you guys kind of touched on the Team USA aspect of it. Um, Greg Gard talked about him, that he's got a different mindset since he's been back. He's got more swagger, more confidence, and he knows that he's going to be an intricate part of the team this year. So he's he's aware of, of the opportunity that he's going to have, and that's, for me, what makes him the player to watch, is the opportunity that he's going to have to be the guy. Um, that's something we talked about a lot last year was that the Badgers, they had a lot of good guys, but they didn't have a guy. I mean, it was Demetri Trice at times. Like he almost willed them back in the Illinois game last year. That was crazy. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it just felt like they didn't have a go-to guy. They just had a lot of, a lot of role player guys, but no, you know, no star player. Correct. And out of, out of those guys, I think uh, Jonathan Davis is the guy to watch. So he is my guy to watch out of the returning players. Jake, who is yours? Okay. So I'm just going to hit because we're all talking about the same guys, right? So Jonathan Davis, the thing that I'm looking for from him is ability to control the game. You know, he's still a young guy. He's still only a sophomore. You know, he's going to be coming off that emotional high being on the USA team. That's got to be crazy for a 19-year-old kid, dude. Like, I'd be puffing my chest and be the cockiest kid in school if I was on a USA team and won a gold medal, you know? So he's got to learn to control all that. And when he's asked to score a bucket, really last year he would just drive, do a little jump stop, maybe a little little eight-foot jumper, or he would just try to, you know, finish in the lane. I want to see if he added some moves, you know, a little, a little, you know, a stop-and-pop jumper, a three-point shot would be nice, an off-the-screen jumper would be nice. There's a lot of things that he can do. Tyler Wall, the only thing I want him to do is become a more consistent three-point shooter. That is literally it. I don't need him to score 25 a game. He 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 is your lunch pail guy. He grabs rebounds. He dives on the floor. He boxes out the center. He steals the ball from the point guard. He does everything. The only thing I need him to do is be more consistent with that, that sit standstill three-point shot. He gets that down. He'll be an amazing, amazing role player in college basketball. We got a lot of interesting pieces. You know, when we talk about the additions on this team, I was watching some uh, some highlight tapes, some interviews. I mean, there's we got some interesting guys, man. Got some interesting players. That right. Badgers are gonna be kind of weird this year. I'm excited for them, but like it could also be bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's how I feel. I feel I like, like it's gonna, gonna be, gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch, and I think they're gonna get off to a good start record wise because they play yeah. like some of these lower major teams yeah. and. You know, it's going to create some like, oh, you know, the Badgers are six and one. You know, why aren't people talking about them more? But then it's also going to be, you know, they're fun to watch on the floor. 
but they're going to have, like Brennan just said, growing pains, and it's going to it's going to show in the record at the end of the season that they've gone through those growing pains. So yeah. let's talk about recruiting, and we'll let Mike go for this time. So basically, the four main guys that I looked at were uh, Chucky Hepburn, Marcus Silver, Craig Hodge or Chris Hodges, and Matthew Morse. So out of those, you know, out of those guys, any other guys you want to add, bring up, elaborate on. Uh, and then pick one of those guys that you're looking forward to this year. Talk about Morse. Talk about Morse. That's my favorite one. That's my favorite one. Uh-huh. I like him. Do you mean Ben Brust? Is that what you meant? No, Matthew Morse. Dude. That <laughs> you're stuck. I'm telling you that's, right now. That's who he is. He's Ben Brust. That's who he is. All right, Mike. Yeah, like give six, us seven. your take. Okay. Ah, crap. Tyler, I'm sorry. I'm getting cut out a little bit here on my. Oh. All right. All right. Can you, um, can you still hear uh, us, Brennan? Yes. Okay. Why don't you Why don't you give us your yours on the recruits then? Yeah, go ahead. My the one I'm probably most excited for, as should I think everybody. I'm I'm a huge fan of Chucky Hepburn. Chucky um, Hepburn, yeah. Because he he reminds me a lot of Antonio Williams, a former Wisconsin <laughs> commit uh, for football, because um, he talked up Wisconsin so much in his recruiting process. And he really threw that, like we talked about the Alondo Tucker situation. He really came out on like social media and was just like, I don't care. This, this is my guy. These are my guys. I'm going here. And not only that, he's damn good. And he's coming in as a true freshman. He's six two, like two ten. Like he's huge. Like he's, he's a big body guard for being that young. Um, won a state title in Nebraska this past year. So I, I'm really on the Chucky Hepburn train. Um, but I mean, you can't go wrong with, with Moores or Ilver. Ilver really is the guy that's really kind of grown lately or the latest, um, you know, he's the six, eight shooter from Estonia, but found his way to America and he was playing high school ball on the East coast. Um, yep. so it's one of those, I, I think to me it's Hepburn, but I think all those guys eventually are going to find their niche and it'd be really good. And I mean, in my notes, I have Ben Carlson and Bowman as new arrivals because yeah, sure. They were there last okay. year, but yeah, that's fair. Bowman, Bowman, obviously, with his personal matter where he was gone for the majority mm-hmm. of the year, and then Carlson's injury last year. Because, I mean, you yep. look at Carlson, you have him playing full-time last year. That adds another piece to that team, and are they better because of that? Probably. But I, to me, I think it's Hepburn followed by Carlson are the two that I'm the most excited for out of that, that group of really, quote-unquote, new arrivals. Hey, Chucky Hepburn is going to be a monster. And I know we just passed Halloween and everybody's watching Chucky, but this kid's upside is scary. <laughs> I was ready for that dad joke. I was waiting for some. Uh, yeah. It... <laughs> oh, I didn't work. Oh, damn it. <laughs> he's going to be good. He's got a smooth, smooth mid-range jumper, dude. He He's smooth, man. He can score. Um, But, dude, that Matthew Moore's dude, he can bounce, bro. He's got ups. White boy with some ups, dude. He was putting doing putback slams like all day. I was like, oh, my God, this guy is a monster. But dude, did, the do you did you read about him, Jake? Did you read about him? No, I was just watching highlight videos, dude. And I was watching dude, him dude. Dunking everybody. He started <laughs> playing varsity basketball in seventh grade. That's just, dude. I hate those people. You know, <laughs> I hate those people because they, they haven't played that long, and then they just like, you know what? I'm just gonna go play basketball one day, and then they're just like D1 players. Like, screw you, guy. I tried really he hard started. He started young, though. But his dad was the head basketball coach, and talking to talking to his dad and other coaches, that he started playing varsity basketball in seventh grade. And now he's a D one athlete. Screw that guy, man. But hey, welcome to <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mike. Who are you looking forward to out of the recruits? 
Yeah, so I think you definitely start with with Chucky Hepburn. I mean, watching even just watching them against last week against Whitewater, there's no doubt about it. I think if he doesn't eventually crack the starting rotation, he's the number one or two guy off the bench. Um, what I love about what I love about him personally is his aggressiveness on defense. Um, he was getting in dudes' faces. Like the one thing, the one thing that I think he may struggle with at the beginning of the year is getting in foul trouble with being a mm-hmm. little too aggressive on guys. Yep. But you know that that's something that's correctable. You know. Yep. So that's I I loved watching him personally. He's also a pass first point guard, which is also good. However, if he needs if we need him to make a bucket. I think we can, we will be able to rely on him. So he didn't, yeah, he didn't start against Whitewater, but I think eventually, possibly midway through the season, if we need a true one to start, I think he's going to be the guy that's going to get the call. Um, their mm-hmm. body, he's definitely like, he's got the college body. He's going to be ready to go. Definitely looking forward to him. And actually, the other guy I was going to talk about was Marcus Elver because um, I don't know if you guys followed his like whole recruitment at all of like how you know, we landed him, I think for the most part, Sam Decker, believe it or not, it was involved with this. I mean, basically he was working with like overseas in Estonia. Decker was working at like the NBA basketball without borders camp. And, you know, he's like, those two were working at the same camp or whatever. And I think there was a little bit, you know, once Decker like saw this kid, I'm willing to bet like he let like coach guard know about the situation. Like, I think it wasn't like totally official, but I'm pretty sure there was a little bit that was, with Sam Decker that had connection to do with that because <laughs> this kid was also yeah there this kid was also recruited just on like Zoom videos you know with like the whole COVID thing like he never visited campus he never you know got to like the state of Wisconsin in general prior to his commitment so um, I think Mr. Sam Decker had a little part to do with that which is great um, but he was also he was a second uh, true freshman off the bench uh, last week so. I think, yeah, he's probably, I was writing this down, he was the ninth guy, I want to say, in the rotation uh, mm-hmm. behind, well, the 10th guy, I guess, behind Gilmore and uh, the two transfers and Chucky. So um, he's he's also got the college body, too, that, in my opinion. He's athletic. He can shoot three. Um, six, which eight. Is kind of like, yeah, six, eight, exactly. Um, but, yeah, he's got kind of like a, yeah, he's got the college body that's ready. And I think he's going to be next in line out of those true freshmen if I had to pinpointed and um i know we we never we didn't haven't mentioned his name yet but he and he played very very briefly last year but i think we should bring up stephen crowell for sure mm, um mm-hmm. he had a game last week i would say for sure he, i think he dropped like like 15 or something against whitewater and you can tell right away that he's i think i've said this on twitter i forget i thought i might have said told this to brennan i can see i see john luer in him quite a bit Actually, you, you said that to us. I yeah, that was to you. Yeah. yeah, I see a future John Luer personally in this kid. Um, he's obviously got to get bigger, um, mm-hmm. but he he's he popped the three a couple times during during the game last week. You know, with Wisconsin offense, you know the big guys for the most part. Mm-hmm. You're going to be like legit and like and and stay with Wisconsin for four years. You better know how to shoot the three as a big man. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching him play and watching him grow. Um, you know, I think he could be like a true dark horse in that starting five personally. Okay. Yeah, you can go back really far with, with the big men shooting. You can go back to the Brian Butch and Mike Bruzowitz days of those guys shooting. You, you mentioned Krabenhoff, who's on the coaching staff now. I mean, there's tons of guys that have been 
those big shooting guys. So, um, and I mean, you know, if Crowell I, could be one of those guys, that would be great. Right. Cause while we're talking kind of, you know, recruiting and we're talking big shooting, I literally read one on Twitter before I got on with you guys. Uh, Evan flood had one. Uh, they hosted a, a big guy from Minnesota this past weekend. Uh, I forgot what his name is. Um, he's six ten, but he literally, one of the quotes I read was, he really liked Wisconsin and likes the coaching staff because as a big, he feels like he can do what he, he can do what he wants. So he agreed. It fits, you know, kind of that, that mold where Crowell uh, kind of looks into those, those past bigs at Wisconsin, but it's, you see it throughout with all the recruits as well. And, and we're going to get into some transfer guys here too. And he's a contrasting style to one of the transfers that they have coming in as far as the center position is concerned. So, for me, my recruit to watch is Chucky Hepburn because I do think, like uh, Mike touched on a little bit, I think he's going to get into the starting rotation, um, if not right away, but probably soon into the season. Um, I mean, he was the player of the year in Nebraska, averaged 17 points, six assists, four rebounds, and three steals in his final season in, in high school. Um, he's really an all-around, all-around player. He can shoot, he can handle the ball, he can pass, and he plays – really tough defense. Um, Greg Gard did touch on that, that he thinks he's going to have to learn the college game a little bit because he's not going to have the the official respect as a freshman. So that's something that he's going to have to kind of go through a little bit as a freshman because he is going to, he's going to play a lot of minutes. Um, but he's, he's what, four or five inches taller than Dimitri Trice. So he's not as undersized at that point guard position. So if you're going to circle a matchup for Chucky Hepburn is to maybe keep an eye on, Illinois and see what he can do against a guy like Kofi Coburn. So Jake for the recruits, you, who's a guy that you're keeping an eye on? I don't know why I fell in love with this Matthew Morris guy, but I did <laughs> Dude, I just kept watching. I don't know if it was the same video. I think, I think it was different, but they kept showing this replay of missed shots and he went up with two hands on another human being. and went, wow. And I'm like, that'd be cool to watch on TV because I'm going to scream and wake up my daughter. That's what I'm looking for, baby. <laughs> but, no, for real, though. No, he has he has some game, dude. He has good footwork, but he's just so bouncy. He has a nice little jumper. Like, dude, I think, like, he's just one of those diamond in a rough kind of guys. He's got to scratch him off a little bit, and you've got something special. That's really what I think. He's really, really underrated, dude. I really like him a lot. Chuck Hepburn. I mean, I watched a 15-minute and 41-second um, video on Chucky Hepburn just making mid-rangers and breaking people down with his dribble. He's going to be amazing. And uh, watch one on Chris Hodges. Uh, he, mm-hmm. He's uh, he's a little bit rougher. Yep. But he is definitely a very good finisher down low. Uh, we clean up a little bit of that footwork, man, and he, he can be something down low. Uh, he's very team? active on offensive rebounds. Who was the twins that we had? No, there was there was one that went to Purdue and one that went to Wisconsin. They wore the goggles. I can't remember his name. Landry. Yeah, dude, oh, that reminded yeah. me of him because he's like long and like he has the same haircut. I'm like, oh, this guy kind of looks like Carl Landry is his name, right? Yeah, Landry. Carl yeah, Carl. Carl is the Purdue and Marcus was the Wisconsin. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. He that's what he looks like to me. He looks like one of the twins, and I was like, this guy. He's a good finisher. He's active. I just said, man, you just you polish up that footwork. You, you get him positioning the right way in college, and he's going to score a lot of buckets, man, because we run that motion yeah. offense. Just throw him mean, the ball down six, low, let him do his thing. Right, and I mean, he's 6'10", 240, so, and that's yeah. before he steps on campus. So he's going right. to lose some of that 
that size, I think, a little bit, but add it back in muscle. So yeah, well, I mean, he probably won't lose a ton of weight, but eventually he's just he's going to be really, really solid. If anybody needs he's to the, take some weight, Zion Williamson gained it all this offseason, eating all that. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> Did you see right. what Chuck said about that? I'm sorry. I have to say this. Did you see what Chuck said about that? He said, he said Zion looks like me and Shaq had a baby. <laughs> I am looking up this clip after the after we're done. <laughs> I was like, no. Let's talk about transfers. Michael, let you go first this time. The three guys that I saw were Jacoby Neath, Chris Vogt, and Isaac Lindsay. So um, talk about those guys, elaborate on them, and then uh, give me one that uh, you're looking forward to, to keeping an eye on this year. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously with like this whole new transfer portal, right? Like we had to be, you know, it was, it was definitely a new year for, for how we got these transfers. It was all through like zoom video calls. It was all, all through, through film and just to like put that in, into perspective. So I can only imagine how hard it was actually to get, you know, some, like some of these kids, you know, on, you know, coming to Wisconsin, I'll start with the walk on. I'll start with Isaac Lindsay. Cause he's got the Wisconsin, background i don't see him being much of a contributor this year however he's got i think you know with the covid rule he might actually have mm-hmm. four years oh uh, he's a transfer yeah, yeah, last year did not count towards eligibility so okay yeah so i mean he's got four years yet then with, with the program yeah, that's uh, that's and, why davison is back yep that's true um so yeah he's a transfer from unlv uh, basically, to my understanding, once that UNLV coach who has Wisconsin ties as well, he also left UNLV, uh, the former head coach. I believe that's when, you know, he transferred to Wisconsin as a walk-on. But, um, yeah, from Mineral Point, um, from what I've seen, like, on what he can do, he's like a he's like a sharpshooter, a three-point shooter. So uh, something to keep an eye on maybe in the future. However, I don't see um, him being much of a contributor this year. And as for the other two guys, they are definitely going to be in the rotation. Um, you know, when you look at a guy like Chris Vote, who's like the seven-footer addition, yep. he's going to be very helpful for when we play, you know, the teams like Purdue and Illinois. Purdue especially with like – they have like those those giants on that, that squad. And then you got – Yeah, they're number seven in Illinois. the nation right now. So I think it dep- it's going to be by committee for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Chris Vote, I think, you know, against those kinds of teams, he's going to get, you know, maybe 20 minutes a game. And um, otherwise he's going to be probably right around the 10 to 15 minute, you know, mark, I would say, depending what kind of foul trouble we get in. Um, but he's more so of a shot blocker. Um, might, might get a couple like post moves in the middle, but he's not going to. What I wrote down for him is that he's going to be in the restricted circle on both ends of the floor. That's where he operates. He's not the stretch the floor big man. He's he's this far away from the basket on both ends of the floor, and that's it. He's he's pretty decent at positioning his body, but he's going to be close to the basket at all times. Yeah, correct. So, I mean, he's going to be a good sub to come off the bench for us. We're definitely going to need him. Um, you know, against those teams that have have the size. So um, looking forward to what he can do. He's got experience. Uh, he's coming from a conference uh, championship team at Cincinnati. Uh, so he's got, you know, the hardware to go with it, I guess, so to speak. And he's got experience. So that's going to help. Um, then Jacoby Neath, uh, Wake Forest transfer. You know, just watching him last week, he he reminds me of, you know, he's very athletic. He reminds me of like a Khalil 
Iverson athleticism, actually. I think he's potentially a better shooter, too. But I think where he's going to stride offensively is actually in the post. Um, because, you know, if you watch his film, um, you know, on guys like that are around his size, he actually is pretty good in the post with getting buckets. So um, he's not yeah, afraid of I contact either. Yeah, exactly. So I think he's comparable to a Khalil Iverson athletics, athleticism wise. And I think he's going to help us most like offensively, like in the, in the post area. And he's going to be one of the first guys off the bench too. Mm-hmm. He's shown good vision too. So that's the, that's an interesting thing. He's a, like a six, three point guard basically. Um, mm-hmm. So he's going to handle the ball. And I mean, there's, it's just a put it out there and see what happens. Honestly, with, with Wisconsin, I mean, I mean, Davison wall and Davis are the only guys we know what their roles are and everybody else. It's kind of going to be like a put it out there and see what you got. So, Brennan, mm-hmm. looking at uh, transfer guys, what's a guy that you're looking for to keep an eye on? I, To me, I have, you know, a boatload written down for not all of them. More so, I just have a ton written down for Vogue. Um, you look, both he and Neath um, kind of saw their their minutes per game last year drop. You look at Vogue as a junior, he averaged 11 and 6, shot 65% from the field on, on 28 minutes a night. Uh, compared to his senior year where, you know, he was five points a game, three and a half, almost, you know, assists and a half per game. So he shows that he's a good passer as well. So I, I think to me it's it's Vogue um, for this this year immediately. Neath, I believe, is only – he's got three years of eligibility, I believe, after this year. Um, that sounds right. So I think he's one to look at futuristically um, as a really good piece. But this year, to me, it's Volk. Uh, to kind of hit on Lindsley Yodes, to kind of piggyback off of that, um, he was a three-star recruit out of high school, too. So it's not like he was a nobody um, unofficially. So it's one of those, I think he may be a guy that finds his way into the rotation two, three years down the line. Um, but to me, this year, the, the transfer to look at is obviously Chris Volk. Um, I, he's going to add, you know, some leadership to to a very young team. Um, you know, you know, a grad transfer and that whole thing. So he and Davison, you know, being that age are really going to be able to help some of these young guys hit the ground running, hopefully. So I'm glad you mentioned Davison because I want to make a parallel really quick and I want it to involve Isaac Lindsay. And the parallel that I want to make is one on the Packers is Jordan Love to Aaron Rodgers. Every time Rodgers is off the field, Jordan Love is right next to him, listening to everything that he's talking about with his coaches to each other. The the next one is on the Bucks, and that is Mamu talking to Brooke Lopez every time he's not on the floor. They're just soaking in everything they can from the veteran guys about every aspect of the game. And the guy that I want Isaac Lindsay to attach to is Brad Davison. Brad Davison has that experience. They're at the same position. They're similar sizes, similar skill sets. So every chance Isaac Lindsay gets, I would want him talking to Brad Davison to try to get that mental part of the game. And, and just take away as much as he possibly can from Brad Davison. How big is Isaac Lindsay? What's he? 6'4". Yeah. He's... Okay, I thought he was bigger. Yeah. Got decent size. Yeah, 6'4", shooting guard, so. Okay. All right, Jake, bigger. who out of those transfer guys are you looking for keeping an eye on? So, I had Jacoby Neath. Uh, he's a junior, came from Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest, obviously, is not a powerhouse. 
but they play in the ACC. So he played in a lot of tough road environments, North Carolina, Duke. I mean, he had to go on, on the road against some big-time recruits, and he had, to, he had to play ball against some really good players, good coaches, and that's a pretty good basketball conference. ACC is a pretty good basketball conference. So for him to come from there, you know, brings a leadership. Uh, Chris Vogt is just big. He's ginormous. He's kind of slow, kind of hard to watch. It was very hard for me to watch those highlights because he would catch the ball, it would stay right here, he would dunk it, and he'd run back on defense, and he'd do the same thing on defense. And I was like, hey, <laughs> you need those guys. You, those are not the highlight films that you want to watch. He's, right? he's the perfect the contrast role. <laughs> he is, man. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed watching some of these highlights. You know, he's dribbling, shooting from 40 feet away, splash. Yeah, talk shit to the crowd. You know, that's what I want to see. <laughs> this bolt, he comes in, he grabs rebounds, he's big, he goes the other side, he dunks it, big, goes the other side, big. That's all he is. He's just big. He's going to be great. But Greg Jacoby, Steve's man, that, hey, hey, that's what he is, man. <laughs> uh, Jacoby Neath, man, I think, I think Jacoby Neath's actually going to be huge for us, man. He handles the ball and ball with under three minutes left in this game because he will turn that SOB over. But Jacoby Neath is a he's a good ball handler. He's a willing passer. He can shoot, and like I said, he has the experience in those big time environments to go on the road and you know know the right play, the right right pass, the right shot. So I'm really looking forward to him, man. All right, Brennan, give me your team MVP for this season. I have it as a, as a legitimate tie. I couldn't make a decision. Um, it's a tie between Johnny Davis and Brad Davison. Um, for Wisconsin to be successful, they need Johnny Davis to take that massive step. Because um, to me, I think they're going to go as far as he can take them. Um, and then the only other reason I have Davison in there is obviously because it kind of goes hand in hand with Davis taking that next step, which, you know, obviously with him coming off of that, you, that U19 gold, um, if Davidson can help get those young guys in and running off the ground quick, um, that's only going to help Johnny Davis become that much better as well. So I, to me, the MVP, it's, it's a tie between Johnny Davis and Brad Davison. Mike, who's your team MVP? Yeah, it's essentially the same thing. However, I, I'm going to still give it to, you know, John, Johnny Davis, probably if I had, you know, gun to my head or whatever. But um, no, I mean, Brenda hit it on the head. If we're actually going to be legit this year, if we're going to make the tournament, if we're going to get remotely close to making a run in the Big Ten, I think, you know, Johnny, you know, he's got the accolades. He's definitely going to have all the eyes on him this year, though, too, for our team. But I mean, he's always, you know, since his recruitment that he's always said that he's been under recruited like his whole time. You know, even prior to committing to Wisconsin, he's he's always looking to like prove himself to everybody. So I'm thinking, you know, this is like the time to do it. This is the perfect opportunity to do so. Um, you know, he got plenty of minutes last year. He was he averaged, yeah, I wrote this down, 25 minutes a game, um, and that's you know being the first guy off the bench. So he's got the experience. Um, I wish he could have even got more opportunities last year when he was on the court because he was clearly the most athletic. Um, but you know, this year he's basically, I mean, yeah. Brad's got the keys to the, to the Lambo, but you know, Johnny's right there with him in the passenger seat for sure. So I think in order for Wisconsin to be even remotely relevant this year, if they want to try and take the next step, um, Johnny Davis has got to be the MVP for sure. All right, Jake, who's your team MVP? Uh, Jonathan Davis and his new leg tattoo. 
<laughs> All right. So for me, I also have Jonathan Davis. I think Brad Davison's role is kind of defined. He's going to be a three-point guy. He's an effort guy. I think his role is kind of defined. Um, I see so much opportunity for Davis with four of the Badgers' top seven scorers having left the program now. Um, I just think his opportunity is is just massive, and I think Davison's role is kind of already set, um, and it's going to be similar to what it has been the last three years. So. That's for me why I'm going to go with Jonathan Davis. But um, last thing, Mike, give us a record prediction. What do you think the Badgers are going to do this year? All right, yeah. So I was going back and forth with this right before we started here. So um, in the I'll start in the Big Ten. I think we're going to go 9-11 and 11 in the Big Ten. Um, just looking at the schedule, I was looking at it right before we got here. We only get Michigan once. We get – I get we do get – we only get Illinois once, Michigan only once, so that's good. We do get Purdue twice. We get Michigan yep. State twice. Yep. Um, Ohio State only once, I believe. I think it's. I think I saw Ohio State twice. Or it, so it is saw. twice. You're right. Yep, there yeah. it is. Um, but I don't know. Michigan. You, you hear about the Big Ten this year. You, it's you tough. Michigan, Illinois. Um, we get Michigan at home too, and it's at the end of the year. And you know, if usually the even an average Wisconsin basketball team can up some upset somebody at least once at the Kohl Center at home. So I, I'm just taking that all into effect. I do think we're going to have plenty of growing pains this year. I do think overall our shooting is not going to be as good. Um, at, I could be, I hope I am dead wrong on that, but I think our three-point shooting potentially could struggle a little bit. I'm hoping for Jonathan Davis to take that next step from the outside because we're going to need it from him. But collectively, I think our shooting might be a little down this year. Taking that all into effect, I got nine and eleven in the Big Ten, but I got nineteen and twelve overall, and I think we sneak in as a uh, ten seed or an eleven seed play-in game in the tournament. Dude, you are very close to mine. You are very close. Dude, yeah, you're very close to mine too because mine is also nineteen and twelve. <laughs> oh I ran through the schedule. I <laughs> For me, it was it's really depending on all the young guys adjusting to the physicality of. Big Ten basketball. So I also had 19 and 12. Um, Brennan, what do you got for a record prediction? Um, I mean, you look at where their preseason predicted in the Big Ten. They're predicted to finish 10th. Um, and it, there's a lot of question marks, obviously, uh, with all the all the new faces and all the, you know, returning guys having their, real, their roles kind of defined. Um, to me, I put them – I somehow find them sneaking into the top half of the Big Ten. I'm not saying fourth or third or fifth, but I, I'm saying somewhere in that that's that eight, seven, maybe potentially six range, which squarely puts you into the into the NCAA tournament. Because to me, they're going to win some games they have no business winning, just because of the way they play. But they also have that potential to lose games they have no no earthly business losing either. Um, so I see them finishing somewhere in that six, seven, eight range in the Big Ten. Six being I think top shelf and then seven, eight being, I think to me more realistic. Um, and with that being said, I seem sneaking into the NCAA tournament somewhere in that nine, 10, eight being the top shelf range um, personally. So that's, that's where I have them. Okay. I'll give you mine. So I am one game better than Mike and Tyler. I have them splitting the big 10 schedule again. I think 10 and 10 is feasible for this team. Uh, to go off Brennan, go off Mike, go off Tyler. 
Um, they're going to win some games that they really shouldn't. Uh, they always do upset somebody at the call center, so I took that into consideration as well. I have them an overall record at 20-11. and 11. They will make the NCAA tournament because that's just what the Badgers do. And they'll probably win one and then lose, lose in the round of 32 because that's, again, what Wisconsin does. So uh, that's my outlook. Hopefully – you know, we're going to take this year as a growing year, right? we got a lot of a lot of question marks going into this year. What is this guy going to do? What is this guy going to do? Here? I just want to see growth and consistent growth. Um, I know I don't have expectations to win the NCAA tournament this year, but I would like to see at the end of the year they're better than you were at the beginning of the year. So that is really my only goal for this team. All right. You guys have anything else you want to throw out there for Badger basketball? Yeah, I saw, you know, with all those question marks too, I saw a little bit on Twitter as well that they kind of were going through an offensive, I wouldn't say full change, but they were throwing a lot more like full screen continuity stuff in, which I think is really going to help a lot of their, their incoming new guys, because a lot of those guys were shown to be more play creator, play creators. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that'll help them tremendously moving forward. That's can, good. We finally kicked the Mike McCarthy offense out of there. huh? <laughs> so we finally You'll still see some of it, I'm sure. I'm sure I know. I know we it. will, and I'm not upset with that. But <laughs> okay. if you over under on the Badgers, there, over under on the Badgers averaging 45 points a game this year. <laughs> over. If, if, I need to watch a few games. <laughs> it better be over, dude. See, you weren't ready to commit to it. <laughs> yeah, y'all are questioning. I was consistently over, without doubting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll see. But uh, I know one thing for sure. If Curtis does another pie bet, he's taking more pies to the grill, baby. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. When they play All right, Iowa, well, I would yeah. run bet in that. Let's go. That would be fun. All right, well, we want to thank you guys for joining the show. And if you enjoy the show, tomorrow you have a chance to see us live in Green Bay at the Green Bay Parker Johns. Tomorrow is going to be nothing but Packers discussion. We're going to be giving stuff away. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be informative. Jake and I have a lot of work to do to figure out exactly what's going to be going on this weekend against Kansas City. And yeah. we're going to talk a lot about the Packers tomorrow. So um, come and hang out with us tomorrow at the Green Bay Parker Johns, 630. Jake and I will be there, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, thank you guys for joining the show, and we will talk to you guys soon. Thanks, boys. Thank you. Late. Peace out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.